round of applause before I start. That's a faith-filled round of applause there. Um, Hello. How are you all? Okay. Um, It's great to be with you again. Uh, If I am... if you don't know me, I'm Bob. I am. Um, I I work for ENC, um, and uh, I'm the curate here. And I've been here since uh, since the summer with our family, uh, with Tabs over there, and our two little girls, Phoebe and Libby. And we have one more on the way, and a boy. Yes, due the end of May. Libby sat us down once we announced it was a boy, and she said, um, "And his name shall be Ian." So there are some good Ians in this congregation, so we haven't decided properly, but, you know, it feels like it might be a word from the Lord. Uh, Anyway, or maybe not, Um, just an overzealous daughter. We also, we had a great uh, weekend. We've been to Creeley Park this weekend. Weep for Creeley? No, not a weep for Creeley. Okay, sorry, Creeley, if you're watching this. Um, Anyway, well, we enjoyed it. We had a great time yesterday. Um, but we've got this amazing, amazing passage from Matthew uh, to unpack together uh, this afternoon. So if you've got a Bible, there's one near you on the end of a pew. You might want to have it open, or if you've got it on your phone, um, just to kind of follow along. You don't have to have it open, but sometimes that's just helpful. One, you can check I'm not making things up. And two, uh, you, can, yeah, you can just follow along with me as, um, uh, yeah, as we go through it. So... Um, yeah, just before we, we all sit here um, and say to ourselves, I don't know if you're thinking this at the moment, but, you know, I know Jesus has asked me to sort of pray for the sick, you know, I'm fairly down with that. Maybe I'm okay with praying for sick people, that they, be, they get better. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm okay with them, you know, like telling an evil spirit to, you know, get lost and, you know, go somewhere else and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, I'm not really sure about this raising the dead malarkey, you know, that I read in the scriptures. Surely, um, you know, the raising the dead is for people with a special spiritual gift in raising dead people. Well, if that's you, uh, I would just like to draw your attention really quickly to the next chapter of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus is going to send out his 12 disciples to go and do the stuff of the kingdom. Okay, So they've, just, they've been with him, they've heard some of his teaching, they've been soaking up what it is uh, f- to understand that the kingdom of God has come near, this thing that Jesus has been proclaiming. And then Jesus is going to send them out in the next chapter. And this is what he says to them when he sends them out. Uh, in verse 7, uh, he says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Okay, we're on board with that. Heal the sick. Yeah, we're on board with that. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. That's what he told his disciples to do. And that is for us to unpack as well and work out how do we operate in that as his disciples today. So when we say... Healing, yes. Prayer, yes. Send demons packing, yes. Um, But raise the dead, mm, not sure about that. We're being selective about what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come near. For the kingdom of God to come near means all those things, and that the dead will, will be raised, will come back to life. And I'll have some of that. I don't know about you, but I'll have some of that in my life. I want to see that. 
see that happen. So Romans 8 tells us this too, just to, uh, just to sort of back up what I'm saying, that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Now, if Jesus has given us the same power that raised him from the dead to live in us, then maybe there's some raising of the dead that we need to be about as his people as well. Um, in Romans 8, in the message, it says this, if it's, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with the spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. Your body will be as alive as Christ with the spirit living in you. So this is something that Jesus called us to operate in, the raising of the dead or, or giving us authority over the dead. And what I want to do today is just unpack four perspectives that we see in that passage of, of, of Matthew, okay? So four different views and things that are going on, and hopefully draw some stuff out for us as we go. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Great. Um, cool. So the synagogue leader, let's, let's, let's unpack this perspective first. So let's look at things from this, this guy's perspective. So in, um, in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, we hear this kind of same story unpacked. And um, this synagogue leader is named in those stories as a guy called Jairus. Um, and you can read those, those uh, accounts if you want to as well. It's the, the, they kind of give a slightly different angle uh, on what's going on. But Matthew kind of gets to the point of what's going on here. We know this synagogue leader, this Jairus guy, uh, comes to Jesus and he kneels before Jesus in this moment. The word for the, uh, the Greek word here is, um, is that Matthew uses is the word proskenai. And Matthew uses this word really intentionally to point to moments when people are acknowledging there is more to Jesus than just the man. So when the Magi come to Jesus and they bring their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they proskenai before Jesus and give him their gifts. They acknowledge there's something different about this baby. There's something different about who this per person Jesus is. Uh, in, the, in the previous chapter, in Matthew chapter 8, there's a leper who came and knelt at the feet of Jesus. He proskenied before Jesus and said to him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. So it's like this acknowledgement in who Jesus is, that he's different. He is the Messiah. And so this man, Jairus, this Jewish leader, comes before Jesus, Jesus and proskenies before him. Now, if you're familiar with the scriptures and the, and the gospels, you, you've, you've probably got an understanding that the... Um, the structures and traditions of the Jewish people weren't very pleased with Jesus and what he was about. They didn't like Jesus particularly. They didn't like what he was doing, the way he was doing it, what he was saying. And yet this man, the leader of the synagogue, comes to Jesus and kneels before him in this public place. It's like a really big demonstration of who he thought Jesus was and, and what he thought Jesus was able to do. Jairus says, Put your hand on her, and she will live. Put your hand on her, and she will live. You don't even have to say a word, Jesus. Just put your hand on her, and she will live. This man sees Jesus, and he, know, and he knows Jesus is the Messiah. He sees something. There's a Savior in his midst. 
And it's a huge statement that he makes. He's got a vision of who Jesus is. And a vision of Jesus is the engine of faith. Right? A vision of Jesus is the engine of faith. If you want your faith to rise, if you want a greater level of faith operating in your life, just keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at who Jesus is. A vision of who he is is the engine of faith. And so this man, Jairus, this synagogue leader, is looking at Jesus with spiritual eyes. Okay, this is his perspective. He's looking at Jesus with spiritual eyes. He's not seeing just in the natural. He's seeing in the spiritual. He's seeing beyond what he can see in the natural. Does that make sense? Yeah? Let me explain the difference just for a minute. Romans 8 says this. You, however, it's talking about us, are not in the realm of the flesh, of the natural, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. So the Spirit of God helps us to interact with... Did that just go? Yeah. Um, the Spirit of God in us and living in us helps us to see and to interact with the world in a different way than just what we see in front of us in the natural This man sees it. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 tells us that we are to walk or live by faith and not by sight. It's not just about what we can see and living our lives in response to what we can see around us. We need to live on another level, a level of faith, to live according to faith. And here you've got this man, Jairus, who's living and responding to Jesus on a level not according just to what he can see, but what he believes. Now, I wanted to show you something. I'm just going to get it out of my bag. Um, I've got it in one of these nice cases here. Uh, this is my A-level certificate, <clears throat> which I bring before you, church. <clears throat> um, I've got a copy for the 6.30 as well, later. Uh, this is my A-level certificate of, in economics. Anyone else study economics? Uh, yeah, a few. Okay, not many of us. I understand why there aren't many of us studying economics. I was terrible at economics. And this is my A-level certificate, and it says on here, uh, June 2002. Yep, uh, back then. Uh, I got this certificate, and I was given Robert William Wallington... Uh, given a a D in economics. Yes, I know. That's how I felt, too. A D in economics. It's a pass. Yes, Derek's reminding me it's a pass. Thanks, Derek. Cheers. That's that's helped me. Um, Here is my my certificate. And uh, when I got this, or I got this grade, uh, I was hoping for better, shall we say. Uh, I don't know if you've been there. And um, I got this... And for me, uh, what this grade or this certificate kind of like told me was that I was a bit of a, a failure. You know, I, I wasn't very academic, that I could uh, maybe shorten my reach in terms of where I wanted to go in life because this wasn't a higher grade. And uh, I should aim a bit lower, maybe, in, my, um, in, in what I wanted to achieve with my life. And... Um, and I remember thinking and looking back on that time about being disappointed um, and, uh, and thinking, gosh, I read a lot into that. And our young people and students here read, 
we all read a lot into these, these grades, don't we? And sometimes they tell us things about ourselves that aren't actually true. But we can kind of let them become part of who we are and how we live. We can let like, this, 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 this lie kind of affect the way that we live. And if I'd seen this with spiritual eyes, then um, I might have seen it slightly differently. That's the natural, right? The natural says to me that. But in the spiritual sense, uh, it's weightless, this grade, isn't it? It's weightless. means nothing in, a re- in, in reality, in, in this spiritual sense. It's got no authority over my future and my identity, has it? It's got nothing over my authority and my identity in who I am in God. Nothing. It's weightless. It's, it's got no authority at all in the spiritual. Do you see how it's possible to see things in two different ways and to live according to those things in different ways as well? But really, if I'd seen this in a spiritual sense, yes, there's a disappointment that I didn't do better, but actually, this has no weight over my life in Jesus, in Christ. The Psalms say this, oh yes, you shape me First, inside, then out. You form me in my mother's womb. I thank you. High God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book spread out before you. The days of my life are all prepared before even I'd lived one day. That's the real reality. That's the spirit. That's in with spiritual eyes. You know, in the, with spiritual eyes, this is weightless and, and empty. We, um, we, John mentioned earlier, we've been up to um, Harrogate this week to um, a new wine conference, uh, a leaders' conference. And uh, on one of the evenings at the conference, they, um, they pointed out there was a, a Ukrainian pastor who was part of the gathering. So amidst this big room of, I don't know, a few thousand people, right in the middle of the room on one of these sort of like raised tiers, there's this man, a Ukrainian man, who was, um, and, and they, they pointed him out, and they said, there's a, there's a guy here from the Ukraine, and we want to pray tonight for this man and for who he represents and for what's going on in his nation. And, um, and then they said, before we pray for him, let's just give some pointers. I've been t- uh, the guy who was sort of talking from the front was saying, I've been talking to him in the day, and he's given me some pointers for things that we can pray for. And it was amazing listening to this Ukrainian man, or via the guy at the front, give some pointers for, for things to pray for. And one of the things he prayed for really got me. It was like, my goodness, it was a very emotional moment as the whole room stood up to pray for this guy and for this nation. And he said... Um, one of the things that they, wanted to, they want us to pray for, that the Ukrainian church is asking us to pray for, is that they would see the Russians who are coming into their country, each one of them as an opportunity to tell them about the good news of Jesus, to lavish the love of God on them, that they might be changed and transformed. Now that is seeing with spiritual eyes, isn't it? Seeing a force coming into your country and seeing them as an opportunity as people who could receive the good news and be transformed and changed by it. That's the difference between seeing in the natural and seeing in the spiritual. That's what we're talking about. And Jairus, this leader, he's got a vision of Jesus. He sees Jesus in the spiritual, not just in the natural. 
as one who has authority even over death. And that is the engine of his faith. Okay, so then we come to the next person in the story. I'm going to speed up here. Um, the, the, the lady who's been bleeding. This is Tabby's favorite passage in the Bible, so I'll let her preach on this one day properly. But just, just like, touch on a few things. Um, she says in verse 21, it says, She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. So what's her perspective? What's her perspective? The, the other Gospels, um, they know in, in this story, they know how crowded it was and that people were like bumping up against Jesus and, you know, like touching him and, you know, like it was, it was a close, you know, everyone was in close proximity. So the kind of question of when Jesus says, who touched me? The, the other Gospels paint this picture of, well, loads of people were touching you, Jesus. Loads of people were bumping into you because we're in this crowd. But he notices a different kind of touch in that moment. Something's different about the person who touches him, and it's this lady. And he was able to discern that her touch, in her touch, faith was at work. She also had a vision of who Jesus was. She could see beyond the natural in the spiritual. And the reason she reaches out for one of his, um, for like the, the, the tassels of his robe, or like the hem of his robe, is, is because there's this prophecy in, at the end of the, the Old Testament uh, in Malachi chapter 4, and it says this in, in Malachi chapter 4, like a prophecy about the Messiah. It says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And that word wings can also be translated it means wings, but it also means the corners of a garment. There's healing in his wings. There's healing in the corners of his garment. So when she reaches out for the corner of his garment and touches it, she's saying, I see you with spiritual eyes, Jesus. I see you. I've got a vision of who you are. And in faith, I'm reaching out to touch the corner of your garment. She had a vision of Jesus, and it was the engine of her faith. She could see him. And what we see determines how we behave, doesn't it? What we see determines how we behave. A little while ago, I, um, uh, I was actually at a, um, a funeral. And just before I went to the funeral, it was my auntie who passed away. Just before I went to the funeral, uh, we were sat in, her, in their house, and um, this old man came in, uh, whose name was Derek, actually. Um, and uh, he uh, was blind. And he sat down in the, so in the sofa opposite me, and I started to engage him with a bit of conversation. Anyway, he turned out to be a bit of a joker. He had an amazing sense of humor, this guy called Derek from Macclesfield. Anyway, and he started telling me this story about what happened to him the day before. And he said, uh, he said um, I'll do my best accent here, okay? So need a little round of applause. Uh, he said, so I went out footwalk. How's that? Yeah, okay, good, okay. Went out footwalk, down... Anyway, you know, no, I won't do it. Anyway, he told me he was, he was walking down the high street. Anyway, and as he's walking down the high street, he does this normal lap that he, he knows how to, how to walk, even though um, he's, he's sort of like worked out that's safe. Anyway, halfway round the walk, when he was about as far away from his house as he could get, 
it started like raining like he'd never known it. You know, it was like just torrential rain was coming down. And this poor blind guy can't like find the quickest route home. He just has to carry on on his loop round back to his house. And he, so by the time he gets back, you know, he was soaked, you know, and he was like, he, he goes, he said, he went back into his, into his front door. And, you know, when, you know, this, he was just, he said, it was so wet. I just, um, I walked into the living room and I just took everything off. You know, I just like, just everything, everything. Anyway, and then, and then he came the punchline. He was like, and then I realized, um, and it is like, his window's on the high street. You know, he lives on the high street. It's like, the curtains were open, weren't they? Yeah, dudes, there he was, stood starkest in front of the whole, like, of Macclesfield. Um, anyway, um, what we see, it, do, it determines how we behave. If, if my friend Derek there had been able to see things, you know, properly, he wouldn't have, got, you know, got undressed in front of his window. The, 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 the way we see Jesus, what we see in Jesus, it determines how we behave. This man, Jairus, this lady who's been bleeding, they see Jesus and it changes the way they behave. All right, the third perspective is the, mour- the mourners, right? The, the, guys, or the guys playing pipes. You know, that mentioned that bit in, um, in the, the passage that we read about the people playing pipes. Apparently, you used to get, um, back in those days, you used to get like professional mourners that would come in and mourn for you when someone died in your family. That was their job. And they, these guys would come in and play pipes and wail and cry and stuff like that on, on your behalf, probably with you, I imagine, to, to some degree. Anyway, these mourners, they see a dead girl, don't they? That's their perspective. They see a dead girl. And in the other passages that we read in Luke and Mark, they send this message out to Jairus before Jesus gets there, and they say, don't bother the teacher anymore. You know, it doesn't need to come. She's dead. They just see Jesus as a teacher. That's what he is when you look at him, right? When you look at him in the, in the natural, Jesus is a teacher. He's coming around saying some amazing things, doing some amazing things too. They see a teacher. They don't see him with spiritual eyes, but Jairus does. And it's amazing when you, when, you, um, when you follow the passage through, it's interesting to see how Jesus deals with these people when he gets there. What does he say to them? Go away. It's fairly strong language, isn't it, from Jesus, you know? The, you know, the person who's come to represent the love of the Father, the love of God, tells these people in this moment who don't see who he is, go away. And he puts them out, it says. He puts them out. I imagine him just like, you know, like, get out, 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 out. Put, he puts them out. And then, uh, and, and then he's able to do this miracle once he's put these people who can't see who he is out. They've got no part to play because they don't have faith. They don't have a vision of who Jesus is. So I want to ask you tonight, what areas of your life are there situations and circumstances that you are looking at through the eyes of a mourner? Are there places in your life, things you've got, dreams, passions, visions that you've got that you're looking at through the eyes of a mourner that somehow Jesus can't impact can't do anything with, can't change. Are there situations in your life that you are perceiving entirely through the natural? Maybe they look dead, you know, like this bleeding woman who looked like she was dying very slowly. 
They've looked as good as dead for a number of months, maybe, or years. But tonight, maybe the Lord is saying to you, look again. Look again. Open your spiritual eyes. Is something, could something miraculous happen when you reach out to Jesus? Or when Jesus comes and put his, puts his hand on that situation? All right, and the last perspective quickly we'll look at is Jesus. What does Jesus see in this moment? Jesus sees faith. Jesus sees faith. He sees Jairus' faith, and he sees the, the woman who's bleeding. He sees her faith. And then he sees a little girl who's asleep. She's not dead. She's asleep. Now that's some perspective to have, isn't it? That's some spiritual insight to have in the situation. Jesus says the same about Lazarus in John chapter 11. He says this, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, this is his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he was ill already, so if he sleeps, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But to Jesus, he's only asleep. Everyone knew that they were dead, this girl, and with Lazarus the same. But Jesus shows us what it's like to see things in the light of his kingdom, with his authority. To walk in the light of his kingdom, to see things in the spiritual, not just in the natural. And to intervene in it. To change the way that things are in the natural through the supernatural. So here's the question that's been going around in my head all week as I've been thinking about this. So we've been in this, at this New Wine Leaders Conference, so I've had a lot of time just to like think and stew on this kind of, like, what's going on here? How on earth do I preach on this passage? And this is the question that, I've, that God's been asking me, uh, or I've been asking myself with the Lord. Are we here on earth just to observe the natural and take everything as it is in the natural, as God's people? Is that what we're here to do? Or am I here, as one of God's children, to see and to intervene in the spiritual in order that the natural, experience, that the natural experiences the kingdom of God? Am I here just to look and take things as they are? Or am I here to see something more and to intervene in it? I think it's the second. I think I'm here to see more than the natural when I look at situations or things going on, I think I'm, I'm, I'm meant to see more than just what I can see. I'm meant to look beyond that, to ask God, what's really going on here? Is she dead or is she just asleep? And I want to intervene and be someone who intervenes in those things on behalf of the kingdom. So, we're going to finish in just a second, but I want to ask you this as well. If, I, it's, if, if your view of the natural is getting in the way of you seeing in the supernatural, then I, we would love to pray for you tonight. Okay, if your view of the natural, the way you see things in the natural, is getting in the way of you seeing in the supernatural and the spiritual, we want to pray with you tonight. If you want to engage with the brokenness of this world with a deeper perception of what's really going on in the spiritual, then we need help. 
We need, we need the power of the Spirit to do that. We need to pray for one another that we would go out and do what we do, whether we're in fam- with families in the week or whether we're in jobs or other things that we're doing, that we would do these things with spiritual eyes, with a vision of who Jesus is, that we might move in the things of his kingdom, even with authority over death, as we see in this moment here, and see things change around us. So we're a church that prays on earth as in heaven, aren't we? That's what we're about, on earth as in heaven. And, uh, and in heaven right now, there's someone who has authority over death, even death. And we want to see that authority lived out in and through us as his church as well. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, can I ask you to stand just for a second? We're going to pray. In fact, if you were on the um, ministry team tonight, could you just pop a mask on and just come and gather around here somewhere? Is that all right? Just so you're ready to receive people to pray? Oh, we've got masks for you if you haven't got one. Don't worry. Just come and, come and grab a... Um, okay. All right, so let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit just to come and equip his church. And, uh, and yeah, and we'll just pray into a couple of specific areas. And Father, we, um, Lord, we just open ourselves up to you again now. Lord, we want to just take this, this moment that we have before we rush off into all the other things that we have today, just to stop and be still and to say, God, we want to do things your way. We want to operate in your kingdom. We want to be a people carrying your authority into all the different areas of our lives and the place that we go. And so, Lord, would you come by your spirit now? Would you just touch our hearts, Lord, for the things that you are wanting to to move in today? Lord, to inspire our hearts and our minds for the things of your kingdom, to open up our thoughts, to enable us to see beyond what we just see to to understand the role that we have to play in intervening in the things of this world because we can see more than what's going on in the natural. And Holy Spirit, we pray, breathe on us, your church now. We can't do it on our own and we need you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you're here.